this is the in focus podcast from the hindu welcome to the hindus in focus podcast i am zubeda hamid your host for today even as india is recovering from its battering by covid-19 there has been a significant rise in cases of another viral disease dengue States across the country are seeing a spurt in cases of dengue transmitted by the bite of an infected Aedes aegypti mosquito and several are witnessing multiple deaths even as hospitals fill up rapidly. As per government statistics, there have been 60,112 cases of dengue recorded in the country as of September this year, an increase from the 44,585 recorded for all of last year. Director General of the Indian Council of Medical Research Dr Balram Bhargava said last month that a majority of the deaths in parts of Uttar Pradesh were due to the D2 strain of dengue which can cause hemorrhaging that can be fatal. On November 1st, Union Health Minister Mansuk Mandavia chaired a review meeting to take stock of the dengue situation across the country and said expert teams were being sent to states that had seen an increase in cases. Why has India had such a bad dengue season this year? Is it linked to the delayed withdrawal of the southwest monsoon and the floods that many parts of the country experienced? Are the dengue statistics accurate or is there underreporting? And how do you tell if your symptoms are of dengue or COVID-19? To speak to us about all this and more, we have with us today Dr. Subramanian Swaminathan, Director Infectious Diseases, Glen Eagles Global Hospital in Chennai. Good morning Dr Subramaniam and welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you, always a pleasure. Doctor, over the past few weeks the country has seen a surge in dengue cases. Uttar Pradesh, Punjab, Delhi, Maharashtra and several other states have seen a steep rise in cases as well as quite a few deaths. As per government statistics alone there have already been over 60,000 cases as of September this year, an increase from about 44,000 in the whole of last year. Why has dengue been particularly bad this year? Quite a few different reasons. One is related to the infection per se. The other is related to our own behavior as well. So we have not had much of a dengue season last year. So it is to be expected that there will be equilibration. So I am not surprised that there is more. The second issue is also that people have been so tired of being home quarantined and sitting at home. that they are now running around a lot more than what they probably usually do a lot of festivities going around a lot of people going around shopping so obviously there is more opportunity for the human and mosquito to come into contact with each other that's the second part the third part is virus related which is also that there is always change of the virus strain every year or something like that which causes the majority of the infection this year it's dengue virus 2 which we know is a little more tricky than the other variants so i think it's a combination of multiple factors but most importantly i think it's also because we have been so focused on one particular problem that we have not looked at all the other problems which are likely to happen and are currently happening you mean the covid-19 pandemic you said it right <laughs> doctor you told us that this d2 strain of dengue is the problem this year ICMR Director General Dr Balram Bhargav also said that a majority of deaths in parts of Uttar Pradesh were caused by this because it can cause fatal hemorrhaging. Could you talk to us a little bit about the various strains of dengue and why D2 is problematic? Okay. So dengue as such has four different strains. The ones which should majorly cause problem 1 2 3 and 
and unlike what most people think it's not the virus which causes the problem it's the human body which causes the problem just like in covid so many people get covid but very few people get into trouble and it's those people whose immune system behaves a little haywire same thing happens in dengue dengue comes causes illness and it triggers the immune system each variant of dengue triggers the immune system to a different level so those which trigger the immune system to a bigger level cause more problem and the second part is it's not the first episode of dengue which is the concern it's the second episode of dengue which is really dangerous so if somebody has had dengue due to 1 3 or 4 in the past and then for a second round gets dengue 2 those people seem to be much more vulnerable to severe dengue as compared to any other kind of permutation and combination so given that a lot of india has already experienced dengue once for those people who get the d2 strain which is going around right now as a second infection they are especially vulnerable to the severe form of dengue because the immune system responds very very badly and causes a lot of problems and the bleeding and shock and many other problems right now doctor what happens with d2 specifically you said it causes a lot of problems such as bleeding what happens in severe dengue so it's the immune system which causes the trouble so it's quest of lock and key model if the key fits very poorly with the lock it doesn't open it very well on the other hand if the key and the lock fit very well it obviously opens all the way through in den 2 or d2 as you would like to call it the point is it fits very well and it triggers the immune system very very aggressively so what happens is that the immune system goes around causing a lot of problems number one it goes around knocking off the platelets we all know that in dengue the platelet counts fall it's not the dengue virus which does this it's the immune system which goes around doing this but that's actually not the reason for the bleeding it's a small part but not the actual reason the reason why we get bleeding and shock and things like that it's because this immune system also damages what we call the endothelium that is the inner layer of the blood vessels and when that happens it releases a lot of important factors which are involved in the blood clotting mechanism which can lead to bleeding manifestations and also cause leaking of the blood vessel whereby all the water leaks into the tissue spaces and the patient is requiring an ever increasing amount of fluid to keep the patient afloat but at the same time the patient is also feeling water logged and things like that so the problem here is that den2 is especially notorious in being able to make the immune system respond so badly that the collateral damage to the platelets and the blood vessel walls and places like that can be pretty extreme doctor you said that it was dengue that came the second time around that was problematic so doesn't the body have natural immunity after it gets it once absolutely and that's exactly the problem because the immunity that it has is actually no good see you want a kind of immunity which will prevent infection from ever happening but that's not the kind of immunity that you get here the kind of immunity that you get is mischief making immunity in that that immunity is not very good at neutralizing the virus but causing more collateral damage so let's say somebody has d1 first time around they will develop antibodies to d1 and those antibodies are actually quite good in preventing d1 but unfortunately it is not very good at preventing d2 d3 or d4 and here's the problem so if i have another d2 infection it will trigger d1 antibodies to go up very very high and these d1 antibodies because they don't have a target like d1 to act on they'll go and act on the human body and cause a lot of mischief that's exactly the problem so please understand that the protection that you get is specific to the virus the strain it does not give you cross immunity or expanded immunity like we would want it to 
That's problematic. Yep. Doctor, some experts have pointed to the delayed withdrawal of the monsoon as a cause because we've seen heavier rains for longer than usual this year, spilling into late October and several states have had floods as well. Since the Aedes aegypti mosquito that transmits dengue breeds in stagnant water, could there be a link? Absolutely. See, we can never win. It's either that we have drought and people complain saying we don't have water or we have dengue and they say we have too much water. It's never right, is it? See, that's the problem. Let's not blame the environment for our own disasters. Point is that, see, in spite of all of this, as long as we are very particular about mosquito prevention measures and personal protection measures, we can still control dengue. So, while epidemiologically the answer is correct, in that the excessive monsoon and mosquito breeding is a problem, I would also blame human behavior for a lack of, what shall I say, discipline in mosquito preventive measures or personal protection measures. Doctor, you said last year we didn't have a very bad dengue season. Is it because of the various lockdowns imposed across the country? Partly. People were not out. See, if you can prevent the mosquito and the human coming together, you're going to prevent dengue pretty effectively. See, last year we didn't have much of a flu season at all. Why? Because people didn't come together at all. And unless you have people coming together, you're not going to have spread of all these infections. And that's a very, very key statement. And this is true for many, many different infections. Overpopulation is a very critical factor and close contact is also a critical factor, whether it is the Great Plague of London or whether it is the dengue season that we are having now or whatever it is. These things are very, very critical. Now, the point is that last year, we did not have so much rain. Last year, we did not have so many people running around in the mornings and evenings where they are more vulnerable for the easy Egypti to come and bite them and things like that. So, for various factors, we probably are now having an expanded season this year as compared to last year. You spoke about influenza as well, doctor. What has been happening with that this year? Yeah, so again, we've stretched the rubber band and it's bouncing back again. So influenza, we know every year, it drifts a little bit. And when it drifts, the way the immune system behaves to it obviously changes. That is why influenza, there is a new vaccine which comes out every year because the virus has changed. Now, last year, we didn't have much of an influenza season. And that's never a good thing because if you didn't have much of an influenza season, that basically means the year after that, you're going to have twice the amount of drift, which basically means that people who had influenza in the past will have very little protection against influenza two years down the line and things like that. So obviously this year we are seeing far more influenza cases and we started seeing influenza cases much earlier than usual. Again, probably related to the rains and things like that. See, generally in Tamil Nadu, our flu season starts somewhere in November, late October, early November kind of thing. This year, by August, September, we started seeing flu cases and quite a few of them. So, I think it's also that the rains have played a little bit of a confounder. But uh, more than that, the fact that we did not have a flu season last year has made it more uh, obvious this year in terms of much higher numbers. Doctor, could you give us a little bit of a primer on how the Aedes aegypti mosquito works and how stagnant water is a big cause? Yeah, that's uh, important to know because malaria is the only one which is transmitted by the anaphilis mosquito and that we have very good control measures for and except in certain areas of India, anaphilis mosquito is now becoming less of an issue. Uh, malaria has come down a lot and at least in Tamil Nadu and many other parts of the country. On the other hand, see nothing can exist in a vacuum and therefore if one goes another will replace it and as anaphilis has moved out, Aedes aegypti has moved in and that is actually a bigger problem because Aedes aegypti transmits a lot of infections including the chicken gunya and dengue. 
Now, to talk about dengue, we need to understand how it transmits. It's only through the bite of the Aedes aegypti mosquito, and unlike Anopheles, where only the females bite, here both the males and the females bite. And the Aedes aegypti is generally a very delicate kind of a mosquito as compared to the Anopheles mosquito, which is far more sturdy. The Aedes aegypti can only breed in fresh water, it cannot travel very far, and it is only a biter during the early mornings and late evenings and things like that. So, if we understand how this vector works, we can actually control the problem without having to worry about the virus per se. See, Singapore, that's what they do. It's very difficult for them to go after the mosquito. So, they actually get the people to behave properly so that it reduces the risk. So, tell us more about this people behavior that can be changed. Excellent. So, once we know when the mosquito bites, it's just a question of being careful around that time. We still don't have a great option in terms of virus-specific measures like vaccines for various reasons. So, we still have to rely on what we call vector-related options. Vector control is part of it. So, that's why the government goes around spraying and things like that. But in the long run, you know, mosquitoes will develop resistance to things like DDT. And environmentally, they are a bit of a disaster. So, you really don't want to be spraying all of that around the house unless you have no other option. So, obviously, we need to take care of ourselves. What can we do? Prevent mosquito breeding. That's why the government keeps saying don't have stagnant water anywhere in the house, fresh water especially. So, if you have buckets of water and things like that, for the love of God, at least make sure that they are covered. You don't want to have open buckets of water or open sources of water where the mosquito can breed. Second, make sure that the rubbish which collects around the house, they are disposed of every 24 hours. Remember, it takes about 24 hours for the life cycle of the larval stage and whatnot to get completed. And if uh, you are able to get rid of it, we are not going to have adult mosquitoes coming out real soon. But that's an important point. That's why the corporation keeps saying that we need to get the trash out every 24 hours to prevent it from happening. But even around the house, make sure you don't have coconut shells and things like that where water can collect. Potted plants, especially where you have water stagnating, that can be a problem. If you have a fish tank, keep it indoors. Swimming pools can be tricky. So all of these things can be sources of mosquito breeding. And it's important for us to kind of eliminate as many as possible. The second thing is personal protection. Even if the mosquito breeds, unless it can get to us, it's not going to be an issue. So, what can we do? So, obviously, knowing when it bites us is important. So, it's mornings and evenings, which is usually when children commute to school or when people commute to work. If you look at it, uh, it is interesting to notice that although usually dengue is more of a challenge in young people, this year, if you notice, most of the dengue has been in older people. Simple reason because the children are not going to school. And it's during the journey to school that children get bitten. And that's why it's so tricky. So. If you are getting ready to send your child to school starting soon, while you are focused on COVID-appropriate behavior, also take a minute to think about mosquito-safe behavior. So, as soon as you get the child ready and it's had a bath, maybe a small dab of a mosquito preventive measure, you know, you have all these creams which are available, a little bit of a dab around the arms and legs and the forehead would go a long way in keeping the child safe from mosquitoes. And it is important to remember that the child has it with the child so that on the return journey also, the child uses it. And that's where a lot of mistakes happen. While every parent will apply a little bit before the child goes to school, they forget that the return journey is just as dangerous as the journey to school. So, that's one thing that could be focused on. And this is important for young people as well. Those who are working to work and returning from work. This is usually the time when people are commuting. And when you're commuting with the windows open and things like that, thinking that the weather is nice, which is, which is, which is true. It can be a bit of a problem because the mosquito can get access to you and that's not going to be very good for you.
Doctor, you spoke a little earlier about there being no real treatment or cure. Could you talk to us a little bit about this? Is it an issue with all viral diseases? Not really. See, when we look at it, in the greater scheme of things, viruses have not got the attention that bacteria have had. Even fungi have not had it for that matter. Because bacterial infections are generally more killers than viral infections. The death rate or mortality due to a viral infection generally tends to be very low. Unless it's one of those horrendous diseases like Ebola, Marburg and things like that. So, dengue, actually speaking, the attribute of mortality is quite low, number one. Most of the time, it's a self-limited disease and therefore, finding a cure for it doesn't really add value. We do have very good treatment for viruses, for example, for HIV, for hepatitis C, for hepatitis B, for chickenpox, now for COVID. A lot of medicines are coming through. So, science is evolving. The problem here is that it's not the virus which creates a trouble, it's the immune system which creates a trouble. So, even if you recognize dengue, by the time you recognize dengue and you give a medicine which is specific for dengue, the immune system is already triggered. So, it may not really prevent the severe dengue from happening and that's the problem. We need a better understanding of the way the immune system behaves to modulate that. So, as of right now, I don't see a great dengue treatment option coming up very soon or as a game changer in any way. So, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Why does it get com- like complicated in some people? Why does the immune system behave in that manner? Do we have any understanding of that? Very rudimentary, yes. In that, see, it all depends on how our immune system is made up. I explain it this way. Think of our immune system as a fishing net. It's like a cross-linked wires. In that, you have small, small holes in various areas. Now, these holes are different for different people. Your immune system, my immune system, somebody else's immune system, they are all very, very different. The way those holes are aligned is very different. And obviously, it's like a sieve where you have multiple layers. So, in some people, it may be that all the holes are aligned in a particular angle. And if you hit it at the right angle, it will go through and through. So, the point is, dengue uses vulnerabilities like that to trigger it. That is why for most people, it is very self-limited. But in some people, it can trigger an exaggerated response. And therefore, it is a problem. And remember this. Those people whose immune system is very poor. See, if you look at severe dengue, it almost never happens in the elderly. We talk about young people developing severe dengue. If you thought about this being a problem with the immune system, old people should have a problem. See, in COVID, most of the time, it's older people who had a problem. But in dengue, it's not that way. So, therefore, if your immune system is more robust and aggressive, it can actually be an impediment. That's why it's important to understand that the immune system has to be a balanced system. It cannot overreact, it cannot underreact, and both of those is bad. And in dengue, the problem is not a lack of reaction, it is too much of a reaction which causes the problem. Doctor, since 2015, dengue cases have touched 1 lakh or more across the country every year, except last year, as per government figures. This does not seem to have been the case about two decades ago. What has changed? Has India become more urbanized? What, what is going on? That's true. See, if you look at what is happening, Back in the early 2000s itself, what I saw was, in about 5 to 7 years, the amount of dengue that they saw in the off-peak was the same as what they saw in the peak 5 to 7 years ago. That is, in 2005-2007, the number of dengue cases they saw in the off-peak season was the same as the number of dengue they saw in the peak season back in 2000, which basically meant that the numbers were going up very, very fast. Urbanization is one part of it. It's also that when you start pushing out anaphylis, Obviously, Aedes aegypti will take over and it will expand. And please understand that dengue has been the bugbear of Southeast Asia. Thailand, Philippines and Cambodia, Vietnam, all these places, Malaysia, 
Singapore, all these places have lots of dengue. And tropical and subtropical, this is the kind of situation where these kind of mosquitoes and viruses do like to thrive. And so much so that if you look at it, dengue is now trying to get a foothold in southern Florida and places like that. So, global warming probably also has a factor to play in it. So, there are multiple reasons why it's happening. And unfortunately, there is no simplistic way of controlling this. As of right now, the only way we are looking to control this is not by controlling dengue, but actually by vector control. Other statistics that we are going by, are we doing a good job in, in terms of diagnosing and recording cases, doctor? Hell no. Because the problem is that the way dengue is reported is a little weird. In that, only the antibody positive patients are being reported. The antigen positive patients are not being reported. The majority of dengue cases are tested in the first five days. Let's say a patient comes into me 48 hours after the onset of fever. The patient has had fever for the last two days. Now, his antibody will not be positive, but his antigen will be positive. The government of India does not accept the antigen test as a confirmatory of dengue because it is kind of non-specific, which is correct. The problem is, I am not going to repeat an antibody test after 5 days to prove that it is dengue. So, I have a patient who I know has dengue, but will never be counted in the official statistics, simply because the testing method is not something the government is happy with. So, are we under-reporting dengue on a Himalayan magnitude? The answer is yes. So, if you say 1 lakh cases, I would probably multiply it by a factor of at least 20. So, I think we are massively under-reporting cases. This is inevitable given how we are counting it and I don't see a simplistic way out of it because there will be arguments both for and against this kind of approach. I don't think there is a correct answer here. One last question before we sign off, Doctor. What should patients look out for? How do they know whether they have symptoms of COVID or dengue? Excellent. So, COVID is a respiratory viral infection. Therefore, you would have, other than fever and body ache, which can be very common in dengue and COVID, you would expect to have cough, sore throat, runny nose, eye itching and things like that. A typical upper respiratory illnesses and then progress to lower respiratory, which is cough and sputum and things like that. In dengue, generally you do not have any respiratory tract symptoms like cough or sore throat and itching. But you do have pain behind the eyes, headache, severe body pain, fatigue, a little bit of a rash sometimes, things like that. So, one of the key factors is the presence or absence of respiratory symptoms. But either way, in the first 48 hours, it may not be that easy to get a distinction between the two. And honestly, the best way forward is just get a test done. Because today, getting a COVID test and a dengue test is fairly easy. They are not that expensive and they do come back within 24 hours. So, you should do it within the first 48 hours of the symptoms? Absolutely. It makes sense to do it early. I mean, you don't want to do it in the first 24 hours. But anytime after 24 hours, it makes sense to do it. Because once you know it is that, you can institute appropriate uh, measures for keeping the person safe and also institute measures to make sure there is no transmission. Because if it is COVID, you know you need to go into isolation because you don't want to give it to other people and things like that. And if it is dengue, we know that it's important to get fluid management right. You want to encourage the patient to take as much of fluids as possible. And one of the mistakes often people do is take painkillers for the body pain and the fever like things like brufenum and combiflam and things like that. And those things in dengue are very, very dangerous because they increase the risk of bleeding. Because, you know, the patient feels so tired and so out of shape. They're like begging, saying, just let me take one painkiller because it's horrible. And unfortunately, that is dangerous. So knowing these things is very, very critical because it allows you to do the right things and it also ensures that you don't do the wrong thing. 
Right. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Doctor. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon. Oh, 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 oh,